Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the FortiGuard Labs Threat Intelligence Podcast. I'm very excited to have the second part running with Arturo Torres from Latin America. And today we will talk about techniques, tactics, and procedures. Arturo, it's good to have you back on the podcast. How have you been so far? Hey, Jonas. Uh, I'm doing great, man. I'm super happy to be here again with you and your your audience. So I, I'm super excited to talk with you about TTPs. Definitely. I think TTPs are very important to understand because in the end, they explain on a very detailed level how threat actors these days achieve their, their goals. It's pretty much a guideline on what kind of steps they are doing to, through their attacks. And we are using the MITRE framework for that. Can you elaborate a little bit why Fortinet is investing a lot of time in the collaboration and partnership with MITRE, for example? Yeah, so it's uh, very interesting because uh, as we know, uh, MITRE has some uh, initiatives, right? But uh, we are gonna focus on the attack ecosystem. So this is a global uh, knowledge base of uh, adversary tactics, techniques, based on real world observations. So for us, it's like a common language, right? We can use it as a defenders to explain or share information about the behaviors of an attacker. So this is very interesting for us because we use that and we develop new ways to detect uh, using uh, the Fortinet security fabric solutions that we offer to our customers. Definitely. So the, the combination of having this framework in place and gathering all the data across the world with our sensors is really valuable to us because we then take these malicious files and run them in our sandboxes. So we detonate them and really get a good idea about what every single step in a certain malware is doing. And then we align this with the MITRE framework and then we can dig deep into pretty much every single step. So when we look at the first one, it usually starts with uh, execution. What do you see in, in your region in Latin America and also in others like North America in general or EMEA when it comes to the execution point of view regarding the top common uh, tactics? Yeah, so uh, th there's there's a lot of tactics and techniques, right? But uh, as you said before, execution is uh, one of the most important and one of the most uh, uh, te techniques or tactics that we see on every single region. But uh, there's a technique, a specific technique that uh, we are seeing uh, being using for the attackers like uh, execution through an API, right? So the attackers try to uh, use the, all the services, all the API services uh, on the network to uh, gather information or maybe to exploit other vulnerabilities. So as we already know, uh, all these AP, APIs uh, provide uh, a lot of information uh, you can uh, execute some instructions or gather uh, other information to correlate or uh, so on, right? So uh, there's a lot of things that the attacker can do if uh, they found an API available in your network. Uh, but uh, also, uh, there's a lot of tactics or techniques uh, pretty interesting that we are seeing. Uh, I don't know if you want to talk about uh, something specifically. Yeah, I think it's important to keep in mind that when a threat actor wants to execute a certain malware which he puts on your system he has multiple way of doing so so you mentioned the execution for api is a very popular one because apis are the interface between different kind of channels or like operating systems and operating system applications so if these channels are not properly secured attackers can abuse them to execute files which they couldn't 
otherwise. But another trend when it comes to techniques, which we see is the user execution by itself, which means the attacker relies on a victim to execute the malware for him. And I think the most common example, which I can think of are, for example, phishing emails. So you get an email, the email will let you know that there's a certain file attached to the email. And once you open the file, it asks you to run or enable the macros. So this would be a prime example of user execution because the attack, the attack, um, the threat actor relies on the victim to push this button. So he's doing the hard work for him. And once he's done that, the malware is being executed. Yeah, of course. And, and actually, there's another one that, that it's, uh, that is very interesting. It's defense evasion, right? It's, it's the way that an attacker tried to avoid to be detected uh, for any anti-malware engine, for example, right? So this is uh, something that we are uh, looking uh, like more often around the industries, around the world, every single region, because the modern malware, uh, it's one of the first things that they want to achieve, right? Uh, being visible, being detectable. Uh, I don't know if you saw that in your region too, but it's it's pretty, pretty interesting how this new malware tried to avoid to be detected for any uh, uh, anti-malware system, for example. Definitely. And I think when we look at the techniques for defense evasions, they have been all across the board. For example, I remember back in the days when sandboxes were pretty new on the horizon, threat actors were adjusting their techniques with a timestamp, which means a malware is not being executed in the first couple of minutes or hours, sometimes even weeks, once it lands on a system, because the attackers understand that, for example, the basic sandbox functionality checks for a couple of minutes whether a malware is being executed and what's happening. And if they just wait for this time before having any malicious activities, then it's hard for the basic sandbox techniques to discover whether this is malicious or not. But then over time, defensive solutions were adapting and were checking at the source code, whether there are some timers involved, and then threat actors were adjusting again their techniques and were maybe moving towards something which is more like modify the registry, the registry or do some process injection when it comes to device defense uh, evasion techniques. Yeah, even there are some specific uh, malware uh, that uh, try to disable uh, other security tools or solution. Uh, they scan if you have, I don't know, you are sniffing the, the network interfaces, for example, and if they found that kind of information or processes, they are not trying to execute themselves to be detectable. So this is pretty interesting because that's a new uh, technique that the attackers or the new malware uh, are trying to achieve to be more uh, successful, right? To infect all, all those devices. Definitely. So it's again, when it comes to attacks, it's very often about gathering as much information as possible. And once they understand what is installed on the system, sometimes the malware just doesn't execute. And this is one way of being undetected in the system. But what we pretty much always see when it comes to malware is they try to escalate their privileges, because usually when a malware is landing on a certain system, it doesn't have administration, administrator permissions. So when there's just a user running or executing a certain malware, the malware looks for vulnerability in the system itself and then tries to gain more permissions. So it can then have much bigger impact on the operating systems itself. When it comes to privilege escalation, what do you see as top trends these days from a malware point of view? 
Well, uh, there, there's a lot of trends, right? But the process injection, injection for example, or uh, we, we talk about uh, execution through API, but there's another one called hooking, right? That it's, uh, they try to use uh, credential APIs uh, to uh, try to capture, I don't know, more, more information, right? Authentication credential, for example. Uh, like uh, th this is something different for the keylogger or keylogging technique because this is uh, specifically try to get API functions. So there, there's a lot of procedures over that, but, uh, around that, but it's it's the, the most technique that we are seeing about privilege, privilege escalation, for example. Yeah, and I think you, hooking is definitely at least the regions I'm, I'm checking one of the most common ones. And it is so powerful because again, it uses API functions to collect the user credentials. And if you know the user credentials, which have higher permissions, you just can reuse them to execute then whatever you want. And some threat actors are relying on, for example, RDP credentials. Some others prefer to focus on Windows API functions to hijack some elements on remote systems, which are connected. And that's a little bit the thing about computers, right? They're always connected to other systems and there's so much communication going on in the backend. Maybe there are some mounted shares, some other mounted systems, which require user credentials to log in. And if these layers are not properly secured, they can use hooking techniques to gather this sensitive information and use it then to get much more privileges on that specific system. Yeah, yeah. And if we think about it, we are talking about all those tactics and techniques based on, on, on those uh, TTPs, profiles, and MITRE attack framework, uh, because this is a common language, right? So this allowed us to uh, have this conversation in, in a simple way, right? So we use those terms like privilege escalations, defensivation, uh, API, uh, hooking, uh, and we understand each other. This is the magic of the MITRE attack framework. And we use that as a defender, right, to, to have a common language and we can create and share strategies with, with, all, the, with all the defenders around the world. So uh, one thing that, I, that it's uh, uh, very interesting, it's uh, about uh, how the attackers uh, have or, or get credential, right, the, the credential access technique. But most of them, it's, it's uh, related to they are still uh, sniffing the network so that there's a lot of uh, maybe credential that it's uh, travel across the, net, the network in text plane. So I don't know if you saw that in your region because seems like in uh, America Latina, in Latin America, it's it's something that we are seeing a lot right now in these days, for example. So this is uh, something that we need to take about that that need to take care about that. Definitely, and I think it goes a step further as well. Even. Today, we still see so many systems with like basic files, maybe spreadsheets, maybe some editor files, which have basic passwords in them because people are not using password managers, for example, and instead they just put down user credentials in some files and then threat actors are, modern day malware is pretty much scanning for keywords. And when they find something like um, password file, they would just start sniffing for these keywords to, exfiltrating then the data but in general i think when it comes to in to collect this kind of information modern day malware is so sophisticated and once it's on your system it starts capturing a lot of sensitive information it usually starts scanning or 
looking for your keystrokes. So we have keyloggers involved, but also it takes screen captures. It understands what kind of websites you are visiting. And based on the website you visit, it might collect certain kind of sensitive information. And then all of this information is usually being uploaded to their command and control server, which gives them access to your machines. So it really is the whole chain which makes it so sophisticated from the beginning. It's once malware is on your system, they move laterally through your network. They gather a lot of sensitive information from every single system. They do privilege escalation techniques. And then last but not least, they connect your system with their command and control server. So no matter what they want to do in the future, they always have access to your system. Yeah, yeah. The, actually, the, there's a tactic called discovery that uh, all the things that, that you said, uh, that it's it's basically that, right? So the attacker tried to discover the environment. They tried to learn about that and they want to use it to choose what kind of uh, lateral movement they, they want to perform, right? And when we talk about command and control uh, channel communication, it's uh, something... Uh, that tell us that the, the device is already infected, right? The, the, there's information that it may be leaked or, or transferred to, to the attacker. So uh, all this kind of information, it, it's, it's uh, very important to understand because if we understand uh, the behavior of the attacker, we can adjust or harden our defenses or network. Um, and we can use, use that to, uh, to detect any kind of malicious behavior. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think, as you mentioned, there's so much discovery going on. And for threat actors, the main reason why they do it, because they want to know what is available in these environments. For example, when we think about ransomware gangs, for them, it's also very key to find the backups, for example. So they are scanning systems which are connected to these computers, like backup systems, like NAS storage devices, where they can find these files so they can exfiltrate them and delete them so the threat actors are not able to that the victims are not able to use them when it comes to data recovery. And in the end, you, you mentioned it very well, there are so many different tactics involved and every single tactic involves multiple different techniques. And usually the tactics stay more or less the same, but the techniques are the ones which are adapting quite frequently based on what the defensive security layers are doing. And then the threat actors are trying to to find a way around them. So we, we need to adjust to what we see. And I think that's where the security solutions uh, with a security fabric comes in really handy because we are scanning on a daily basis pretty much all the malware samples out there. And we understand what are they doing in details and then can adjust our security layers based with this security fabric, which is not just protecting one single entry point, but covering really the whole global attack surface. So with that being said, do you have uh, any final words, Arturo, regarding the TTPs which you, which you see across the, the region? Well, it's uh, very important to us to understand uh, all this kind of information. So, uh, for example, as, as you know, there's a lot of ransomware campaigns right now in Latin America uh, related to some threat actors. So the organizations can use the matter attack framework based on that specific ransomware campaign or threat actor to uh, put uh, all the detection uh, uh, solutions right in their network and organization to be able to detect any kind of information any p 
piece of behavior, malicious behavior related, related to that uh, specific campaign. So if we, we can use that right as a leverage as a defenders. So if uh, we we have uh, any I don't know uh, any worry about uh, being targeted for any threat actor or ransomware campaign, for example, we can use that, right? So this, it's it's amazing how we can use that, how we can collect that information, and we can uh, use this kind of uh, podcast to uh, tell all the customers on your audience uh, what, is, what are the most TTPs that we are seeing uh, around the world. Definitely. Visibility is key. If we don't know what's going on, we have no idea what we are supposed to protect. So. This framework comes in very handy and um, it was really good to have you on the podcast elaborating the techniques a little bit more in detail. And again, thanks so much for joining today and we hear you next time. Always is a pleasure. Thank you.